You're listening to Wake Up Tucson. This podcast is a Bustos Media production on The Voice. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Seven oh seven in the morning. You're on Wake Up Tucson, ten thirty. Voice local news and talk. The blizzard of twenty twenty three is blowing through Arizona, including our this wonderful uh, region that we live in called Tucson, Pima County, and the outlying areas. Um, about three inches in some areas. I'm sure Mount Lemon's going to be absolutely spectacular. It is sticking to, uh, in most areas, uh, well, especially in the suburbs, uh, in the areas that, uh, not on the streets per se, but anything on landscaping, houses, trees and squirrels and such, right? Really beautiful. Stationary (laughs) cats. Sergio just sent me a picture from Catalina. I think I looked like I got about three or four inches up there. Umpire John, of course, and Flag, sounds like they got 19 inches so far in Flag. NAU delayed uh, classes till 12 noon. So we got Professor uh, Daniel Asia from the University of Arizona at the bottom of the hour. He's doing a presentation with Professor Amy Wax from Law School of and University of Pennsylvania about wokeness. I'm sure that's getting getting her much love at Penn. And uh, then we have the people from the Therapeutic Writing for Animals and Kids coming at 8.07. And a guy who could use therapeutic writing possibly is our good friend, U.S. Congressman David Schweikert. David, good morning. Good morning, though I am now very worried about that snow on squirrels. Oh, it's it's something where the Center for Biological Diversity just came out with a new, uh, some stimulus money that came out of uh, Raul Grijalva to uh, help them with the snow-covered squirrels. So, good job, Congress. Right. You know, I mean, isn't that only the right moral thing, though? You'll notice <laughs> people that get the contract to take care of it happen to all be Democrat activists. But that's okay. It's, it's not actually a washing machine of money. It's it's what was really needed. <laughs> so uh, our friend of the show, Bill Beard, sent me this article that says uh, U.S. senators are consider- considering raising retirement age to 70. A, uh, a group of bipartisan senators are quietly meeting, David, to retool, retool mm-hmm. Social Security. Yeah, can you believe that? <laughs> I, I, assume they did, they, I assume they didn't ask you to come to the meeting. No, no, they did. <laughs> oh, they did? They did. Oh, good. No, no. And actually, it's it's a much bigger deal. It's um, the, the the headline. It was lazy. Um, you know, part, one of the proposals that's just being modeled is twenty twenty five years from now. Do you go back to what they did in the eighties, where you add um, uh, some increase in the retirement age according to life expectancy? Um, but it's that would be off decades. The, um... and, and there's a lot, and there's, please understand, there's dozens of other moving parts. There, there were things where you would get, you know, to keep a bunch of your own tax money if you continued to work, um, a way of setting up almost a sovereign wealth fund. So instead of just taking any Social Security revenues um, that are excess, or um, if you even had to do some bonded money, you could put it in places where it makes a much higher yield. Um, just trying to find some way where you could just do this one time, short up for the 75-year actuarial window. Um, because now we're nine and a half years, and the trust fund's gone, and everyone gets a 23% cut. And that's the thing that should just enrage you, is 
um, when the president and the Democrats said, hey, this is a great issue. We're going to use it for our campaign. We're going to just lie to every American that everything's fine. All we have to do is tax some rich people more. <laughs> that's good. That's getting a little tired. It's getting a little tired. Oh, so you'd be shocked how many on the left believe it. So I, I mean, I, I, I'll, when I'm out, I'll have people coming to, you know, David, I know you care about this, but, but just all you have to do is tax rich people more. <laughs> the, um, so I saw that, uh, there was a couple of bills that actually got passed by you guys and the Senate, which is the, um, the Department of Labor's uh, prudence and loyalty in selecting plan investments and exercising shareholder rights rule and the D.C. Uh, soft on crime bill. And it looks like uh, Joe's going to, uh, to veto these things. It's going to be fascinating to, to start to see, um, particularly on the, what they call the ESG bill, which is functionally, hey, um, you know, we want the, the, the Democrats and many of their activists have spent lots and lots of resources over the last decade um, infiltrating corporate America, getting on corporate boards, um, investment, you know, trusts, um, CalPERS. The, you know, it, it is stunning how smart the Democrats have been, even the number of political action committees they've taken over for large corporations, you know, um, they, they do an all war approach. And one of the things that's happening is now you're starting to see, um, large investment groups focusing on, well, does this make me feel better or does this maximize rate of return for your future retirement? And the politics seem to be winning right now. And what's interesting is we actually had a number of Democrats even go, yeah, maybe the yield for retirees is more important than, you know, uh, virtue signaling. Shocking. I guess my thing is I saw that there was at least a path that bills are getting passed by both houses, right? So Manchin and John Tester from Montana came over to vote on the ESG bill. So, so go back. Uh, your point is is well made. Um, go back three weeks ago when nothing's ever going to happen. It's going to be Armageddon. Well, some these aren't big bills, but it proves there is a working coalition. If you can grab a couple of those, um, you know, mansion types in the Senate. What is um, in relation to? Because uh, my it, it becomes a blur after a while. Where are we at on debt limits and? Uh, all that um, jazz. Where it, were that? Still trying to build a package of. There's a lot of us who will not vote for the debt limit unless we can actually just get some mechanisms to for for just beginning um, some movement towards some fiscal sanity. It, it, it's just it, it, so you're you're walking this tightrope. Um, you can cover all of our bonded indebtedness and the vast majority of government. But for every dollar that's spent today, 33 cents of it are borrowed. That looks like the math for this year. Okay. So you, so functionally, you know, if you didn't raise the debt limit, it's not a default. Default is when you don't pay your bonds. But there is 33 cents out of every dollar where you're not going to fund it. Beautiful. And... Yeah, you know, fine. Uh, but you start to realize if all of discretionary is now about 
20-27% of all spending, you start to see where you get the squeeze. So uh, as you know, the math, if you get rid of all of defense, all the rest of government, you know, the, um, the capital, the White House, the FBI, you know, everything. So all what you think is government. In 10 years, you still have to borrow money just to cover Social Security, Medicare, and everything else. And then the next year, it gets dramatically worse because the Social Security trust fund's gone, the Medicare trust fund's gone, the highway trust fund's all gone. So people don't think, just get rid of foreign aid, waste and fraud. You're absolutely right. But that doesn't get you there. You, we basically, the vast, I mean, we're, we're heading towards a time where we'll hit 80% of all spending is just health care, VA benefits, um, and then with the Social Security Trust Fund running out, are we going to backfill that with the general fund? And then the debt really explodes. Well, with that uh, on the edge of your of your mind uh, of things exploding, let's go to break. And I want to talk to David when we come back. I was watching the uh, hearings with uh, Merrick Garland yesterday. And what I want to do is talk to David about how the Republicans, it's good to have these things. I'm, I'm there. But how do we... How do we leverage this into results later as we move closer to these weird things called elections? So Perfect. And, you're, and there's going to be a little background noise because as we talk, I am driving because I came home last night. Yes. I am driving a seven-year-old to school. Awesome. All right. <laughs> Maybe we'll interview her when we come back. So. Bye. All right. We'll be right back with U.S. Congressman David Schweikert. And you're on Wake Up Tucson, Daniel Asia, University of Arizona professor little speech about uh, anti-wokeness coming up that we're going to talk about. And uh, again, Karen Carpenter's birthday today. You're on Wake Up Tucson, 1030 The Voice, local news and talk. Uh, 721 in the morning. We're celebrating both Karen Carpenter and John Bon Jovi's birthday. Uh, we have Dan- Professor Daniel Asia coming up at the top of the hour. He has a special event with the University of bottom Pennsylvania. Of bottom of the hour. I'm going I'm to get it before it's all over. I feel like King Arthur. One, two, four, three, your highness. Um... Anyway, uh, it's Hacienda del Sol tonight, 5 o'clock. We're going to learn about that after David uh, talking about wokeness in the university education uh, world. David, welcome back, sir. David Schweikert. All right. That's okay. I would have hung up, too. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's okay. I'm here. That's all right. I know yeah. you were driving. Hey, hey, uh, j- just one odd thing I, I want you to keep a little eye on because um, we've been watching it since yesterday. Um, there's some movement out there in interest rates um, in Europe and even in the United States where uh, it's not huge, but it's enough to make me slightly nervous. I'm always nervous. Um, uh, in Europe uh, this morning, interest rates are getting more, much more expensive. Gotcha. Um, they had some real movement, which is not good. It basically means the markets have decided inflation is not about to come down a whole bunch. Yeah, when, when, when I hear uh, Janet Yellen or some of these talking heads out of the White House uh, trying to spin this, and they say, oh, you know, we're, or even the guy from the local, from the University of Arizona, Hammond, who drives me crazy at times, you're like, I don't see any of the... Uh, reality on the ground doesn't tell me uh, what I see out there says anything on in, inflation's backing off anytime soon. Well, look, um, the United States tenure... I know last night went well over 4%. And um, there were a lot of these same economic talking heads 
Um, my team actually was the outlier, so once again, I, I'm proud of them. Um, saying, oh, we're not going to go over 4%. That, that was from last year. Everything's downhill from here. And that's not what's happening right now. So I was, we're, we're gonna, we might play some of it later in the show, but we're, I was watching uh, uh, the crew take, uh, take uh, Mr. Garland down a few notches uh, on certain things yesterday, the uh, attorney general. And I sat here and going, so what do we do with this? We're going to have these moments, right? Marching up Mayorkas and Merrick Garland and all of these variety of characters. Maybe they'll get to the Fauci's and Burks's one day, right? And I said, how did, but the, it's great that this is going to happen, but don't we need to, how do, does the Republican Party have the tools or the will to leverage this into elections of next year? Because this should become well, part of your marketing to tell, you know, as part of getting people to vote for people with R's behind their name. Am I, am I missing something yeah. here? No, no, but uh, I think you leaked one. Um, you hold the hearing to document <clears throat> that the stories are true. You know, um, the fact that matter is there are memos at Department of Justice that look like they want that they were going to really examine um, fundamental Catholics. Right. And put them on watch lists. I mean, that's in, in just should enrage anyone, even if you're on the left side. When you start to see that type of movement in your government, there was a time the ACLU and those actually cared about civil liberties. But not anymore. It's, it's basically their Democrat operatives. Then the next thing that happens in Congress is, how do we stop it? Can we use the appropriations process to take away their money? It, it, what do bureaucrats care most about is their cash. Yep. You know, how much money, how much, you know, their own jobs, their pensions, but also how many employees they get and the ability to line items out programs or just just wipe out saying look you're no longer getting in cash to do this it's not going to be in the appropriations bill that will be the next battle as we're drafting our documents and then you have to find a way to tell the story to the vast majority of the public who's not paying attention to politics they're just trying to take care of their life it was interesting to hear merrick garland say it was wrong that they did it, but it did exist, the idea that there's a memo saying that Catholics that follow the Latin Mass are a potential problem. <laughs> Who would have thought we yeah. would hear such things? Well, look, um, I'm worried about myself. I'm here driving, and I actually have a rosary sitting here in the side of the car with me. I'm one of them. See? You're, 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 you're on the watch list you again. On, again. I'm I'm driving my little girl. There's actually, so I'm here in North Scottsdale. There's actually a little snow on the road. Absolutely. It's really happening, buddy. It's really happening. The, um, uh, so, um, nerding out on some of your numbers, I, I was looking at the, uh, you know, they talk about the futures falling Thursday as rates march higher. But then I see something about a two-year treasury yield reaching highs not seen more than a decade. Yep. Yep, so um, what you're seeing is actually both ends of the curve. That's actually, there's um, a whole chart we constantly watch. I, I don't want everyone to get bored and immediately leave your radio show. But for a while, we're saying, okay, short-term rates are really high because everyone expects inflation to be short-term. But look how wonderful it is going to be four years from now, five years, ten years from now. Now when you see the 10-year 
over 4%, and the short term also up, it means much longer term inflationary expectations. The um, from 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 your nerds and your guy at the Manhattan uh, Project over there that we uh, we talk about Manhattan Institute Institute Brian, sorry Brian's brilliant. <laughs> um, what do you guys see as the reality of when does inflation start creeping down and get back into some hopefully less harmful territory? Um, our answer is we see it creeping down. We just don't see it um, skyrocketing downward. Now, we can't do that. I mean, uh, I'm mixing analogies. Uh, falling down to the Fed's 2%. Um, you know, one of our guys uh, doesn't see a floor ever going, or in the near horizon, ever going below 2.5. And we think it's going to come down much, much slower than um, a lot of the uh, Fed and others are predicting. Gotcha. So. The problem with that is you've got to understand, for everyone listening, this inflation is the biggest tax hike on you in modern history. We're devaluing your savings, and we are transferring it to the federal government. The federal government is the biggest borrower in the world. When you have inflation, I devalue your money that you save, but I also devalue the money we pay it back with. So the U.S. debt actually in some ways has gotten worse, has gone down because we're going to pay it back with inflated dollars. Now we're paying the other side of the ledger. Now we're going to pay the price. The interest rates go up, so the financing just got much more expensive. David Schweikert, thanks for the knowledge as always, my friend. Have a good day. All right. Take care. Later, buddy. University of Arizona college professor Daniel Asia has a special event going on about wokeness in the university world going up, uh, general university world, with uh, law professor Amy Wax from the University of Pennsylvania coming up, and he's going to come on and talk about it right now. Wake up. 7.34 in the morning. You're on Wake Up Tucson, 10.30 of the voice. Local news and talk. A guy that I haven't seen in a long time is uh, professor Daniel Asia. Daniel, what's going on, young man? Not a whole lot, except it's snowing out there. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> here we invited a guest here, and we give her an inch of snow. Correct. Instead of 70-degree weather. So, Daniel, what, what are you a professor of, so people know? I am a professor of music, and I am a composer of contemporary classical music. Look symphonies, operas, string quartets, things like that. Are you? Uh, how's that business going? Oh, it's a tough business. <laughs> now, it's been a tough business for about 300 years. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but I knew what I was getting into. You, you need an Austrian emperor or somebody exactly. to sponsor you. Exactly. Exactly. We're, we're looking around for one. Or one of those Goombas in Florence. One That's, of those. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, you, as part of the Center for American Culture and Ideas. Yeah. Or ideas, as we say in the uh, in the Midwest. Right. Uh, you have an event this evening at the fabulous Hacienda del Sol. That's it. That's it. Uh, uh, the Center for American Cultural Ideas is a five hundred one three C, of which I'm the president. Look at you. It's, uh, you know, it's, president. It, it, yeah, nice I'm, job. I'm, I'm the president. <laughs> hey, it's a small organization. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, uh, we started a couple years ago. It's something I do. Uh, it's not my day job. I teach at the university, as you've just mentioned. Anyway, the center is, um, we sponsor a, um, a visiting 
a presenter series called The Cultured Mind. We also have a podcast called The Cultured Mind. Who knew? Who knew? Love so it. So now hopefully people will know. So uh, Amy Wax is professor at uh, the UPenn Law School. She's been there for over a, a couple of decades. She's the Robert Mundheim Professor of Law. And uh, she addresses lots of academic stuff like social welfare, law and policy, as well as the relationship of the family and the workplace and labor markets. But if anybody's heard of her now, it's uh, because she's being driven out of the UPenn Law School after a, a very long and distinguished career. They're making life very difficult for her. What did she say? Well, she... <laughs> what is she teaching? What is she teaching? She's not teaching anything other than asking questions that lawyers uh, tend to ask, which is, hmm, is uh, affirmative action actually working? Um, and how can we tell if it is or isn't working? So because of some of the things that she has uncovered and spoken about, she is now considered uh, enemy number one and considered a racist. And here she is a nice uh, woman who has been had an incredibly distinguished career at UPenn, and they're doing all they can to, uh, to get her out. And this is the faculty and the students and, of course, the dean, because it's the dean who drives these sorts of things. So... I guess the question is, how, did the, what, how, how long has she been speaking about such things? Oh, probably 10 or 15 years. Gotcha. At, at least. A long time. Well, then she's lasting longer than I thought at the yeah. University of Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> and, and as Amy would say, though, she's saying pretty much the same things she's been saying for the last 15 or 20 years, which were considered to not be particularly controversial. But now, of course, in our new woke environment, they are very controversial. Well, and when we talk about has affirmative action worked, we've had folks on this show talking about if you're if you come from the Asian American world, they'll tell you that affirmative action's upside down, right? That that if because a lot of Asian American kids have lots of good good scores uh, and and educational outcomes, uh, they 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 they're, they're now so like getting accepted at some schools as we know in places that might rhyme with the word Harvard. Uh, that's correct. That's correct. Well, and, and you used a, a good word when you said everything is upside down. Yeah. And that is precisely what the woke world is. It is completely upside down um, in all respects. It, it takes that, um, that idea really from Maoist communist ideology and Marxism, which says anybody who was at the top who may have worked for it, by the way, should now be on the bottom. And anybody on the bottom, because they were on the bottom, should ipso by de facto definition now be on the top because of what their place was. And having nothing to do, of course, with merit or meritocracy. This is the just reverse of anything having to do with merit. The idea that the college, uh, university... Um marketplace of ideas is now becoming a very closed marketplace, right? It's critical thinking and dissenting opinion now is that's just, that's not their bag anymore. But the verbiage that is used of course is just that. We, were, we will teach all students to be critical thinkers. As long as they are critically thinking in the manner in which we would like them to be thinking <laughs> critically. Correct. Correct. I mean, that's the bizarre nature of all of this. Right. I mean, it's very, again, back to the Orwellian 
We are I indeed do. in an or- Orwellian <laughs> world, in, in my estimation at this point. We're rewriting books, right? We are rewriting books. We're taking books out of libraries. We are rewriting facts. We are recontextualizing everything we know. Um, I, have, I have no problem with expanding the canon, but the canon is there because over a thousand years or so, we've figured out what is pretty good. So, sure, let's expand the canon if we find other things that we've missed that are really great, but don't throw the damn thing out. Another book I've been revisiting has been Fahrenheit 451. Uh And I keep going back to the scene where uh, Montag and his uh, boss there, and he kind of asks him, when did we start banning books and burning books, right? Mm -hmm. And he just talks about how we just found these 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 different ideas unsettling. Right. Right? That's where it all started. And right. so instead of, you know, we're, we're, we're just going to burn the ideas and throw them in the garbage so we don't upset people. I kind of feel like we're, <clears throat> we're, we're, we're treading in that, we're slouching that way. Or uh, we're in the middle of it. No, no, we're in the middle of it. <laughs> we're, we're not slouching that way. In other words, if universities now have safe spaces and places where students can go because they're feeling upset having been... Uh, confronted with an idea that seems somehow to them revolutionary or uh, revolting right and that they can't deal with the idea of actually confronting a different opinion than what they've been told is actually the truth then we're in a problem in the universities we gen- are. generally the um so for you how long have you how, how long have you seen this coming in real uh, your guy who's been in the university sphere how long this? When did this start really, really hitting a critical level of this is a problem? Well, it certainly has been coming on. I would say for the last ten years. Yeah. Um, I guess it hit its height uh, after the summer of George Floyd. Yep. Uh, with Black Lives Matters, um, uh, many universities or departments in universities um, had. Uh, people literally say that everything that we do now will be in the service of Black Lives Matters or will be in the service of diversity, inclusion, and equity. That that is now our job, our task. Now, remember, what they're saying is it's not education right. that is the most important thing that we wish to be engaged in, but rather this quote-unquote political task of supporting the goals of Black Lives Matter. If you look at, I was just, if you do a Google News search just of, um, of Amy, mm-hmm. there's these, art, these articles, you know, Amy Wax in the crosshairs. Right. Right, and then you see right. Vox, uh, Amy Wax has been offending um, uh, minorities for years. Will tenure save her? I mean, it's across the board. I mean, she is right. right. She's at the middle of this thing right now. She's in the middle of it, and I wanted to bring her out so that she could set the record straight. Um, I've I've read many of these articles that you've just alluded to. Yeah, um, including, for example, a journal such as inside higher education, which is purportedly to support and report on faculty and what's going on in universities. And the articles that I read take out quotes from things that she has said and put them just in the converse light of what the statement that she actually said. Now, there's anything I say right now to you, I'm sure somebody could take 
something I say out of context and I will look like an idiot because that's the nature of being able to pull something out of context. I usually look like an idiot and they don't have to do anything with what I say. <laughs> so that's, that's the good thing. So I, I'm looking at this college fix discussion, right, where, you know, um, the Penn Law Dean hit with a grievance, right? This yep. is just from a month ago. Yep. Right, over drawn out Amy Wax investigation. Right. Right, uh, right. file January 16th. Uh, this has been going on for years. That's right. Well, that's the way things work in academia and in the laws in the legal system. Yep. Amy has now had to lawyer up um, to respond to these assaults. And what's really quite astonishing about what they say about her is that they use words, they use terminology, they use instances, but they don't cite anything specifically. They don't define their terminology. And it's the most unprofessional, unlegal kind of assault. It's just astonishing this is coming from the legal community at UPenn. And it's almost like they, they're they acting like internet trolls. That's the best part, right? So when people hit me, they're trolls with stuff, and they go, you, you this general broad thing that I'm a bastard because of blank, right? Yep. And the thing that usually ruins the conversation for them is, hey, um, just provide a few details. Exactly. Right, and then exactly. it's like they never respond. <laughs> exactly, and that's precisely what's happening to Professor Wax in the, in this situation. All right, so tonight at Asiana del Sol, yes, there's still a few seats left. Five o'clock. People need to go to the Cultured Mind Forum or just the Cultured Mind, and they'll find a way to register. We're asking people to register so that we know how many people actually have, and we'll have seats for everybody. Awesome. Yeah, so it'll be a great event. All right, 5 o'clock, Asiana del Sol. Uh, Professor Amy Wax, who's in the middle of a fight right now at the University of Law Penn School, talking about Penn Law School, talking about wokeness, for God's sake. Exactly. So please uh, join uh, Daniel and Amy and the Cultured Mind crew today. Well, you're just gonna you feel smarter just hanging out at the cultured mind. <laughs> That's what I think. Is there a website for that people can go check things out? There is. They can go either to the cultured mind or the organization www.thekaki.org. www.thekaki.org. Amazing. Well, good to see you again, Daniel. I haven't seen you in a while. It's been a while. We got to do this more often. It's been, I, been I, a pleasure. I agree. So there's a small shot. I might stop by tonight. I'll let you know. Cool. All right. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you. Thanks so much. All right. You have a great day. That's Daniel Asia. Remember, Cultured Mind tonight up at Asiana del Sol, Professor Amy Wax, 5 p.m. Can't beat it. Look at you going a little steely Dan. The obvious call, right? As- <laughs> You're on Wake Up Tucson, 1030 The Voice. Sorry, well- sorry, Dr. Asia, if this is like the 57th time this is... Uh- <laughs> I have a groupie uh, named okay. Asia we can play for the rest it's of the okay. show. So that's right. That's right. You're on Wake Up Tucson, 1030 The Voice. Welcome back to Wake Up Tucson. A couple more seats left, left over to see, uh, left uh, available for the Amy Wax thing up at Asiana Sol del Sol. Actually, be pretty spectacular to be at Asiana del Sol on a snowy night like this with the mountains and everything. Boy, yeah. I think this is a snifter of cognac, as we like to say. I think first getting $27 a glass, God bless them. Uh, but uh, do it Depends up. Depends which one. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So, uh, listener Robert, when we were talking to uh, the sports director, he puts, uh, he says, hey, uh, Durant's first game with the Suns last night uh, with a win over Charlotte, just saying LOL, because I never talk about NBA. And I said, Jimmy Durante still alive? 
Inka-tinka-doo. <laughs> he says, yeah, the old geezer had 23 points. So, love it. Love it. It's the big snow. Everyone's putting some nice snow pictures up on uh, on the Wavesbook uh, right now. It's a... Uh, it's a, uh, and I just was looking at the webcam for Mount Lemon. Real, real deal, real deal. Matt, you sent me because you now today is I, I I usually you know you mean cats right? Not a big fan of the cats, right? Um, but it's International Rescue a Cat Day, so that's good. Okay, yeah, right. You and I are going to go bag and tag some uh, some cats with Farley one day. That's the way the story goes. Yeah, we're going to capture them and then that's uh, the meme. Yes. And then it's t- we 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 can't knock them out. It's too mean. So we're gonna just slowly drug them, and cat and Matt's gonna snip them. An attempt not <laughs> an attempt not to be shredded to ribbons. That. So you sent me. I almost forgot about this. A, Story's a, not so much about cats, but uh, I know where you're going now. A Twitter, the old Twitter feed, and or Facebook or Facebook. That's true. Of the El Jefe Cat Lounge. Okay. Now, friend of the show, Joanne Sabah, who has a cat problem. I always imagine her because she loves this place, right? I just imagine her sitting there drinking a, a martini and 23 of these disgusting characters laying on top of her, right? I could see something like that, right? So the update on the cafe's... Of course, you have to eat with these creatures around you, getting their hair and your food and everything. But they're going to have a cafe, the El Jefe Catland. They're on Campbell, I believe, right over by sure. Pastiche. Pastiche, right? sure. Right. Yep. Uh, the right city. Next door. The city is behind and won't be able to review our plans for a building permit until the middle of March. Um, and then they said we submitted the plans on November twentieth. Okay, so they they bought the. You're gonna go, so go ahead and count first. <laughs> December, <November>. December, <laughs> one, two, three, four well, are we talking, months. Hold on, so hold on. It'd be December fifteenth, January fifteenth, February. 15th, okay, you're right. Four months. I don't make it right. Four months. Yes, keep going. Yeah, so the, they bought the space next to them to expand because there apparently is is money in in account lounges. Absolutely. So. They bought they bought the bought or rented or something the space next to them. They're going to expand, so they're tying up their own money. Shocking for four months, right? And the city says, "Oh, we can't get to that." I so mean, it just it's a wake up Tucson story right there. You can't even expand a cat lounge without getting. I mean, how complicated are we talking? I mean, right. four months. Right, four months. There's a restaurant right next door. I mean, I, you know. How... <laughs> so, you know, hopefully a mayoral candidate, you know, will use this as an example of why there needs to be sweeping changes in Tucson. So think about it. We've had McCluskey already on the show talking about city inspectors doing uh, Zoom inspections. Right. Right, because they can't get or out county, of it. county, whatever, yeah. But that inspectors. was a city. Okay, was a city. got it. Yeah, the, the, the city can't get out of their... Uh, can't get their inspectors can't come out of their hobbit holes to do a freaking inspection right um so now we're doing four months i mean how big is the space next door thousand square feet right can't be that no big. idea but it's probably not that big right 
So if we got a thousand, eight hundred to a thousand square feet expansion for these people to do to make vanilla hair cat pudding or whatever they're doing, right? Uh, you give away all the secrets now. Thank you. All right. What? What? what I mean, what? Well, the maybe maybe the city's low on employees. Well, perhaps a business organization can go and advocate for these poor people that are losing money hand over fist while they cannot make income at a property that they've placed their money on. I'm sure the El Jefe can't la- Cat Lounge can't uh, afford to be a sponsor, high enough sponsor level at the Metro Chamber for uh, Guyman to give a crap. So, um, so El Jefe, you got to get up to the 5,000 level. Oh, and the other thing too is the idea that if you have to be a member for them to quote... If 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 I if you read their their um if you read their mission statement at the chamber, it would not be we're only here to make life better for our members. Right? It's the idea that we're supposed to make Tucson probably a better place for business overall. So um oh, so we talked about Lori Lightfoot. Now remember of the two people in the Chicago race that are still left, and the one of them's also a lefty nut. So no, Chicago hasn't dodged any. Bu- they've dodged one bullet, but if the other guy gets in, it might be a you know a net plus crap. Okay. Now Dan Shearer talked about yesterday. It was amazing that he remembered that. Right, that he was so happy she lost after the George Floyd stuff, and her own and her own city just is burning down all the time. There's thousands of young black men who die on, who have died in in Chicago under her watch right all of these things right and she said i am no longer going to do interviews with white people as the mayor of chicago which of course is just juvenile right now um and I'm glad Rahina hasn't done something like that. That'd be good because I would, you know, if she, Bert Lee would be crushed if that happened. Okay. Now, um, so now Lori had to come and talk about why she lost. Speaking to reporters, and she said, Had you been treated unfairly during your campaign? Now, that's already a loaded question by the reporter, right? Sure. I mean, that's not even like a real that to me that's just like you're you're a Lori Lightfoot buddy at that the point. The question is what do you attribute your loss to? Correct. That's the question. Right? But the question was had she, if she had been truly treated unfairly during her campaign. And so the answer from Lori Lightfoot is I'm a black woman in America, of course, unquote. Um she told the New Yorker magazine, um, quote, I'm a black woman. Let's not forget certain folks, frankly, don't support us in leadership roles, unquote. Um, Twice elected President Obama said, wait, what? Right. <laughs> Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot says that 99% of the criticism against her has to do with her being a black woman, unquote. Okay, so this side of misdirection. Wait, wait till I get. Uh, oh, Chris is right. Don't forget the El Jefe Cat Lounge wanted the city of Tucson minimum wage. That's why I don't talk about Braspa either. She, uh, Margot over there was a big uh, shove that one down everyone's throat too. So, all right.
Scott Tilly's here from Therapeutic Riding Animals and Kids. Coming up next, Wake Up Tucson, 1030 The Voice, local news and talk.